Welcome, my friends, to the show that never ends. We are the show that not only talks about mental health, we actually learn and practice mental health skills. What is emotional fitness? I don't know. We're going to find out. Mental health is a practice. It's actually something that you have to do, like basketball. And if you've ever seen me play basketball, (laughs) you know what kind of mental health state I'm in. We have a great show. Uh, My co-host, Jennifer Kalari, will join us in just a second. I'm Ed Krasnick, the Hebrew Hurricane, I'm called, uh, on the Weather Channel. I have my own show. This is the show also where we take you from the concept of I'm a piece of shit to I'm at peace with shit. That's right. I said it twice. On today's show, we have one of my very favorite people, a great comic from San Francisco, an actor, a writer, had a wonderful solo show, one-person show, about his relationship with his kids, about being a dad, and about being the parent of an autistic adult. It's a wonderful show, and we're going to talk to him about that and about a lot of different things. Mike Guido is here. Mike will join us in just a few minutes from now, from this very time. Today's show is sponsored by Zoo Mamas. Zoo Mamas is a pajama-style onesie for people who are on Zoom calls all day. These unique pajamas feature a suitable-for-work top and a bottom that are made of feet pajamas. So it's a onesie. And now you can do business while in your new pajamas. It's Zoo Mamas, because now you can have a funsie in a virtual working onesie. That's right, Zoo Mamas. I make it up, but it could be a real product. And we always like to welcome people no matter what mental state they're in. And because of that, ladies and gentlemen, here now are emotional shout outs. First of all, let me just remind you, if you're going to Tom Hanks' house for Thanksgiving for the holidays, the correct uh, greeting is Happy Hanksgiving. Yeah, I said it. Here are emotional shout outs. If you're about to play a family game called Hide and Go Eat over the holidays, welcome. If you're so reactive that when the Cat Stevens song Peace Train plays, you yell, train doesn't stop at my house, welcome. If your Thanksgiving meal begins by saying, we slaughtered an entire race of people, who wants to pass the gravy boat, welcome. If you fall asleep in your pie, welcome. If you play charades and your clue is the Manson family, welcome. If you identify as a mammal, welcome. If you want someone to send you a gift card that pays for major medical and mental health benefits, welcome. And if you're beating yourself up even now, there's always a place for you right here on the Mental Health Comedy Podcast. Now let's bring in the High Priestess of the Hippocampus, the Queen of Cognitive Rehearsal, and holds a degree from the University of Calm, Jennifer Kalari. Jennifer, Welcome, ab- welcome aboard. Thank you. Those are news. There was two new ones in there. I love it. Yeah, we always like to to switch it up a little bit. We like we're spicy today. It's a spicy show because we have we have the holidays coming up, and that's where I want to go first. You know, when I talk about the holidays, it's H O L I D A Z E holidays because it's an emotional time. It's uh, a time when a lot of family patterns come out if you're with your family. Mm-hmm. It can be a mix, a mixed medley of uh, emotions and thoughts. And I guess my question to you is, 
how how can you get your family off on the right tone? How can you kind of be aware and and maybe make better choices? Of course, I think the pandemic has helped a lot of people be more grateful about who they're with and the fact that they're still alive. But given that, we're all going to fall back into our family patterns. So what, what do we do? Well, so here's the thing. I guess the first thing is we can't really control anyone else in our family. I mean, even our kids to a certain degree, we can't. But we can work really hard at controlling ourselves. So when we begin to understand that a lot of interactions that happen, no, I'm even going to say all interactions are what are called intersubjective. We actually kind of interact with other people in those interactions. We're bringing our own successes, our own failures, our own memories, whether we've had a good day or a bad day, you know, all that gets brought into that interaction with each other and that we actually have more control than we think over how people respond to us. By asking a simple question, which is, you know, if I don't like that behavior in my you know, aunt or my spouse or my brother or my sister at dinner, what am I doing? What's going on in me? that is perhaps in some way contributing to that behavior in my family member. And that, that intersubjectivity is really important because that's where you have power, right? Are you overreacting? Are you bringing past issues forward? Did you come into the dinner going, well, I know how this is going to go. And then that sort of preceded the dinner. So really having sort of being the witness of yourself and committing with really strong intent that you're going to try to have the most pleasant non-reactive dinner. That's how you'll control other people, by controlling yourself. Yes to all of those that you you asked, to all of those questions. I do it all. I do it my way. Nobody does it better. I guess, how, how can you kind of do things? In, are there tricks or little tools that you can do in the moment mm-hmm. where you find yourself? I think part of the, the issue with the holidays is that you fall into patterns and you kind of go unconscious. Yeah. And I think, how do you get back to, wait a minute, I don't have to do this. I can actually do things a different way this time. Yeah. Yeah, Let's try that. Yeah, you recognize their programs, right? So even going before you get to the dinner, know that there's going to be certain things that trigger you about your brother-in-law or your sister or your mother. And just kind of know that and be the witness of yourself in that situation. That can also help a lot. The second thing is, you know, if it's, I mean, obviously if tables are being flipped and people are screaming and yelling, it's unsafe. That's a different story. But if it's just kind of a regular jabbing at each other, you know, old patterns, or you don't get into a political conversation or somebody goes on and on about something that you're, that is offensive, but not to the point where you want to address it at the dinner table, See if you can take this stance where you just kind of look around and you think, okay, look, all these annoying things that are happening, that's kind of, those are a blessing, okay? Those are a gift because if there were other terrible things happening in your life, if people were missing from that table, if you were very ill, if there was a you know war going on around you, you wouldn't be having this dinner where so-and-so is annoying you, right? So it's sort of finding this way to take the normal stuff, find some humor in it. Don't take it so hard and realize if that's what's bothering you, then you're probably in a pretty good place because it's those everyday, boring, kind of annoying conversations that you have that are the stuff of life. I'm going to tell you something. This is very strange, but I'm going to tell you. Years ago, I did a TV show, and I can't describe what it was. It was actually very good, but it was on ABC Family, I want to say. And I had to fly down to Tennessee and live with a family. And we were trying to find a real American family and make their life into a sitcom. 
Okay. So it's actually a, a kind of a kind of a good idea, but a little complicated. Okay. So the guy who we went down and stayed with in Tennessee, his name is Travis Sampson, and he's a good friend. He's remained a good friend. Travis was a wrestler. He was a professional wrestler, and he taught me how to come into a wrestling ring so that I would feel empowered. And I'm not making this up. There's a pose where you put your hands on your hips and you actually look up. You look up like a superhero, right? So you look up and he said, you know, when you come in, you're telling people you're setting a tone. I feel like you could try that at Thanksgiving. I feel like you should come into a room and just put your hands by your hips and just get up, get your head up and breathe and say, happy Thanksgiving. I'm here. Uh, Good afternoon to you people. Something. I don't know. You know what it comes down to? It comes down to intention. If you're driving there going, I know how this is going to go. And someone's always going to do that thing that they always do. And this one's going to start talking about this. And this will go. If you go, we've talked about this a lot at the reticular activation system. If you're, if you're sitting there in the car on the way there, noting all the things you know are going to happen at that dinner, you're already emotionally charged before you even walk in and guess what you're going to see. But if you have a different intention, I'm going to look for times when people are kind to each other, where someone's actually funny, where someone doesn't do what I thought they were going to do. And at the same time, I'm going to appreciate that all this messiness is the stuff of real normal life. And the fact that I even care about it means that there's other things in my life that are going well. That'll help a lot, actually. Intention is a big part of it. And the other thing you can do is very simple. Literally imagine a dome going down around you. The, the midbrain is so dumb. It doesn't understand what's real or not real. It's the frontal lobe knows there no dome. there's no dome, right? But you literally imagine this little dome coming down around you. And every time someone, someone says, oh, we have this for dinner and I see you're wearing that, like whatever little digs people do, just imagine it pinging off the dome and just have this like quiet little smile in your head, like, eh, can't affect me, can't get me. And the reason that's so helpful is that's a neural hack. Your midbrain thinks everything's real. It doesn't know the difference between something that's actually happening or something that you're imagining is happening or a memory of something that's happening. And if it thinks you brought a dome down, that's all it wanted you to do. Just do something so you're safe. So try that. So the deflector shields come down. I've had people take me through guided imagery. And one of the things they always talk about is there's a shield, there's some kind of a dome, there's some kind of protection around you. That's good. Yeah. And the, and you can you can imagine that happening. So yep. your imagination is, and tell them what the reticular activation system is briefly again, because so, it's no one knows about this, and yet right. it, it changes your life. It does. It really does. So it's a part of the brain that's like a neural net. There's so much happening in our reality. There's so much that the brain is doing. I mean, just, just sitting here, you're using a thousand muscles, never mind all of the words that you're running through and the memories, and you're thinking about things that I've said and thinking about things you've said, you're decommissioning cells, your your heart is, your temperature is regulating. There's so much happening in your brain that your brain can't pay attention to all of it. So what it does is it tags certain things and then pulls it from reality into your awareness. The things you sort of tag and worry about and think about, that's what your brain will notice. Like think of it this way. It says, if you ever had someone say to you, oh, you have to read this book, it's amazing. And they're like, oh, okay, I'm going to read that book. And then suddenly you see someone reading that book or a bus goes by and there's an ad for that book on the bus. And you think, oh, that's such a coincidence. It might be a coincidence, but it's more likely that it's your particular activation system. It has tagged that book. It has now been pulled out of a sea 
of vast amounts of information. It has now been tagged. So when your brain sees it, it recognizes it. And I'm not saying there's not coincidence, but that's going to feel very much like a coincidence. And that's what your brain does. It tags things like Google. So if you're going into a dinner and you're expecting a certain relative to say certain things to you, that's what your brain is going to pick up on. And there may be a number of other things that are quite pleasant, very nice, very neutral that that relative said to you that night, but you're not going to register those. You're so only going to hear and see the ones you've tagged. Does that make sense? Yeah. So the reticular, it actually is a part of the brain, right? Or it is housed. This actually does stimulate your brain and it's a way to reorient the way that your brain tags things, which is really the sum total of, of how you live and what you believe. System, right? Yeah. So tag different things, go to that dinner and try to find things that people that surprise you. Times that people have said something kind, you know, a, a time that someone chose a different behavior than you thought you were going to choose, because the truth is they probably are. It's just, you don't notice because it wasn't tagged by your RAS system. Yeah. RAS boy. That's it. That's it. I'm a member of the RAS, the <laughs> RAS patrol. Well, I want to bring in our guest who I've known for many, many years, met him in San Francisco. I remember when I first saw this guy on stage, one of the things I was amazed at is how comfortable and how present he was. And that is something that he carries through his life. He's a wonderful dad, a great comedian, and a good friend to many, many people. And he had a great solo show called The Maria Effect, which is about his daughter. Let's talk about all of it. Mike Guido. Mike, are you still there and are you still alive? I am, Ed. I'm still here and I'm still um, comfortable and present, as you said. Well, I did notice, I think you were at the other cafe in San Francisco and I was like, this guy is different than most people that I see on stage. Well, one he time seems you, to enjoy it. You might have seen me the only time I was ever booked at the other cafe and I was there with our good mm -hmm. friend, John Means, known as Dr. Gonzo. And I believe yeah. they build the show, two guys we never book, come and see why. <laughs> that was the greatest club in the world. I didn't work there a lot, but it had a great window out onto the street in Haight-Ashbury. And I remember a guy, Bob Rubin, getting on stage and then the train coming and then him saying goodbye to the audience. And then he left on the train and you could see him from the stage that he had, he had now gotten on the train yep. to go home, I believe I which was, I thought was great. I believe I was yeah. there that night. Oh, yeah. And Paula Poundstone probably doing like an hour with someone in the street who she was just talking to through the window. There was a lot of magic that happened. And really, some of the greatest comedians in the world uh, were, were there in San Francisco at that time. You figured out that, you, that family is important somehow to you, and you made like a huge life decision about that. Tell us about your experience a little bit with raising a family and, and also raising a daughter with autism. You know, way back then, and when I met my wife, Laureen, as a matter of fact, I met her at Cobb's Comedy Club at the Cannery in San Francisco, when I was happened to be working with Bobcat Goldthwait and this guy known as Robin Williams oh, that yes. night. My wife, which wasn't my wife yet, but she had two young daughters from a previous marriage, ages three and one. Something just clicked inside of me, and I, I didn't see it coming. I wouldn't have thought I was that kind of guy that would do this, but apparently I was when it was kind of dropped in my lap. I just felt like without even having to think about it, kind of, well, this is it now. This is what I am. 
I'm going to be a dad to these two girls, and I'm going to be a husband, obviously, to this wonderful woman that I met. So all of a sudden, you know, my career, which up till that point was the thing, you know, don't even talk to me about anything else, it was diminished a little bit. No regrets, I'll tell you that. Well, you you're a great dad. I mean, but you you really uh, you have uh, you have a number of kids <laughs> that you've raised already, and then Maria has really taught you a lot. Maria is uh, is autistic, and you have be, been an advocate for her, and of course a great a great parent. And I always think of you because of Love on the Spectrum. I don't know if you ever watched that show, but I think it's the best show on television. It's about people who are on the spectrum dating and trying to find love, find a partner. Absolutely fabulous. Absolutely. Like, I can't say enough about that show. My daughter, Ariana, has um, introduced me to that show, and I've only seen a little bit here and there. Laureen and I like to joke that we're now empty nesters, her and I and Maria. That's (laughs) how it is. I, I have no ill feelings towards anybody about this. But like I say, though, Maria's not going out on any dates. Um, Maria has very severe, what they call low functioning autism. So she needs help with everything all the time. And she's not very verbal and that sort of thing. So those are the challenges. But, you know, we've come to learn that they're blessings because she has taught me Oh my goodness! Uh, so um, you know, master class for thirty years taught me how to care for others, put others before myself. <laughs> taught me how to function when I'm brain dead from lack of sleep, and you name it. Don't know where I'd be without Maria. Actually, oh. how 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 do you learn to take care of yourself so that you can help her? I, I don't think you really learn to take care of yourself, um, you do the best you can because especially with someone like Maria, every day is different. Like for example, last night, she's always had problems turning it off and shutting it down at night and settling down and being able to sleep. And she was up to like four last night or this morning, but tonight, hopefully it'll be better and she'll get to sleep earlier. But so you just have to roll with the punches. And, And the key is though, And this goes along with what you and Jennifer were talking about, I think, with Thanksgiving dinner and expectations or not expectations and and different people. What One thing that I've learned with myself is to never do it grudgingly or complaining. Like, not that I've never done that. Not that I've never at 3.30 a.m. going, oh, I wish you would just go to sleep. But then I feel terrible right after that. Because Maria is innocent. She's always innocent of all charges. And it really helps with, you know, my mental health and my emotional well-being to be happy about it, to take what comes. And you know what? This is the way it is. It's Maria. I love her. We're good. You know, if this is what it takes, then this is what it takes. When, when you get to that mentality, it, it, it changes everything. Well, how how did that affect the rest of the family? How does it all work? For example, my daughters who came after Maria, that's Teresa and Ariana, their whole lives, they've had this so-called special sister. You know, we we taught them uh, from the beginning, even 
my older daughters, Alicia and Angela, who are older than Maria. Alicia just said this to me and Laureen a few weeks ago. She goes, the thing is, growing up, I always knew that this is what we do. This is Maria. We love her, and Maria needs our help, so we're all in. You know, that was like our, our, our family mission. We do Maria. Whatever Maria needs, we do. And, and the girls bought in. I mean, first of all, you know, they love their sister. Teresa, <laughs> my goodness, she used to sleep with Maria. And, you know, Maria would wet the bed. Uh, and Teresa was in there uh, being affected by that. And, or in the middle of the night, for some reason, Maria would pinch Teresa really hard <laughs> and wake her up. And we'd hear little Teresa just kind of giggle and say, Maria, you know, quiet hands, no pinching. And, and we didn't even have to go in. Part of it is I think they came uh, ready for it somehow. You know, we were just talking today. Lorraine and I are going to go for a overnighter, maybe a couple nights, going down to Arizona for a little work. You know, which girl's going to be here and be with Maria? And they, they do it gladly. So really blessed in that area. That's pure love. I mean, that's just, that's pure alignment. Just, yeah. This yeah. has been going on a long time <laughs> and you're at, you're at the same place that you were years ago, which is this, this place of being a loving uh, a parent and being aware of, you know, how to let go of stuff so that you could be present and be connected to your, to your daughter. You did a solo show. It was a wonderful show. The Maria effect, right? Yep. The Maria effect. Yeah. And, yeah. And what I would add too, Ed, is, you know, I saw that, you know, Laureen and I ran a, a nonprofit organization called the Maria Foundation, where we, my wife is a genius. So she was implementing this program and helping children with autism and their families. We saw the dads who basically said, I didn't sign up for this with their autistic child and, and left. It's disgusting to me. And dude, you know what you're missing out on? It's just ridiculous. So I, I've seen the extremes both ways. I'm happy to um, you know, have my wife's example. You know, in the very, very beginning, and this is in my show, The Maria Effect, I kind of was saying like, look at her, look what's happened. We've lost her. And I was like kind of complaining because she wasn't born with autism. Okay. Came on, on set, you know, when she was two years old and I was feeling like this little girl, she was ripped away from me. And I was looking inwardly, like, I don't like how this affects me. My wife, Laureen, and you've met Laureen, Ed, she um, sure. essentially put me up against the wall, had her hands on my shirt collar. And she basically said, you listen to me. Okay. Maria has autism. That's just the way she is now. And she basically said, I'll tell you one thing, buddy, and you listen carefully. I'm going to do everything I can. I'm going to yell and scream and kick down doors and do everything I can to help our daughter. And I'd really appreciate your help. But either way, that's what I'm doing, either with you or without you. That was a quite a sobering moment. So as I say in the mm -hmm. show, so I put away my Oreos and my Spider-Man blanket. And uh, <laughs> I said, honey, you the man. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> Well, now, uh, you, we talked about this once, but you said that you were trying to medicate the kids, but then you realized maybe <laughs> it would just be cheaper, right? Yeah. So are you, are you, say it, you can say it, but are you on any medication now and how's it going? Um, 
I'll be honest with you. I actually, I normally don't talk about this, but I guess this is the place I'm. I'm taking Wellbutrin. Yes, right now I'm familiar with it. I'm familiar because with it. For some, and this, but this, I don't think this is related to challenges with Maria or anything. I just, for some reason, and here I am, and at this point in my life, in the, the later years, I've had some struggles with. I'm going to say depression, but I. It's been mild. I'll say that. It's just like what I'll wake up a certain day and what the heck? I just can't function. Everything's annoying me. And I, I feel like crying. Then I feel like yelling. I haven't felt that in a while. And also um, anxiety has come upon me in my, in my old age here for some, hmm. I, I don't know. Because I, I tried to look at, you know, what's the antecedent and nothing really changed. Yeah, so I take that, and it seems to help actually quite a lot. No, that's great. That's great. Jennifer, when people take medication and they're first taking medication, how does someone figure out? Well, first of all, it it changes your, you know, you know it's working when you have the right combination or something speaks to you and it, it levels things out. How do you know when it's time to get on, and how do you know if it's time to get off? That's a really good question. So, I mean, the first thing people have to know is it's not it's not a panacea. Right. It just it usually just takes the edge off. You still feel all the things you're feeling. It's just not as intense. So it just gives you that little bit of air. I sort of I think of it as if you, were, if you were teaching someone how to swim, you wouldn't just shove them in the deep end and say, OK, now kick your feet and put one arm in front of the other. Like you you would give them a noodle or, or a life jacket or something to hold on Wait, to. And, and Jennifer, in you're saying I shouldn't push my children in the deep end. No, try not oh, to. Oh my goodness! Now you, Mike, me. you've been doing oh. it backwards. You have oh, been my. doing things. Sorry, I yeah. were on a roll, no, Jennifer. I didn't mean to. <laughs> but the idea is that the that the medication and the proper medication, the one that's right for you, it's like the noodle. It's like a swim noodle. It just keeps your head just above the waterline, so you can use your strategies, so you can think your way out, so that you're not constantly in fight or flight. That you actually have some of your frontal lobe. You have access to your frontal lobe. So. People have very, there's lots of different opinions about medication, but there are, there are many times when it's so necessary. It just gives someone that little bit of air, that little bit of hope to kind of make, cause and, and medication alone won't necessarily do it. You have to, you know, do all the other stuff that we talk about all the time on the show, using those strategies, learning to control what your brain thinks about, you know, learning how to focus your mind, all those things. And all those things become easier if you're on medication, but there's lots of people who do it without medication. So, and other things can really help too. Exercise helps tremendously. You know, being really careful with your diet can help a lot too. Mm. You know, eating a lot of heavy carbs, hyper palatable foods, things like that. They're, those foods are actually built to make you depressed. I was just going to say, yeah, I do those things as well. Um, as far as diet, sometimes I'm good at it like everyone else. Sometimes I'm not. Exercise, um, rowing machine in the garage that I, I love a lot. But I also mm. tried to kind of reprogram my brain. So when I'm in the moment and I'm feeling a certain way that I don't want to feel, I would literally just stop and tell myself, not just everything's okay in general, but specific reasons why everything's okay. Yeah. Even if it was something that I was worried about or a little stressed about, I would literally remind myself that I've been through multitude of situations in my life, especially adult life, that were very challenging and stressful or, or what have you. And it all worked out. I'm still here. 
See, that's amazing. And what, what you were doing there is using like evidence-based proof that you've been through it before. Yeah. And in talking to yourself like that, and we talk about that all the time on the show, is you're basically exercising your frontal lobe. That's the part of the brain that can mitigate and organize and prioritize and take perspective and pan back that lens, exercising that part of your brain and challenging those automatic negative thoughts, those ants, as they're called, mm. you know, and recognizing those programs and being the witness. Oh, look, here I am again doing this in this situation and not in a, you idiot, I'm mad at you kind of way. Just like, wow, here it is again. This is really familiar. I tend to do this sometimes. And you know what? I'm going to think about it a different way. And that's what you're describing. And it takes work and you don't always feel like doing it, but it takes more work to not do it. I'll say that. I, I have to say the results have been positive, especially the longer I do it, it's almost like it becomes more effective, you know, because it's not like I'm telling myself this for the first time. This is the, you know, I've done it yeah. dozens well, of times. Doing, what you're doing there is you're rewiring your yeah. brain. You're literally changing the neural pathways in your brain to support more neutral or positive thinking. And we talk about that all the time on the show, that we're, we're the architects of our brain. What you think about is often how you feel. We need to draw, you need a license, uh, you know, I feel like brain education, like how your brain works. Yeah. You need a license to drive it. And some, uh, many people, including myself, we're not, we're not familiar. We get behind the wheel of our life and then we turn into a ditch and then we think we are the ditch and we do things yeah. like that. You know, I think we need a, um, you know, a mental driver's license uh, course, and we'll have it on our next show. I've done this a million times. I've had the driver's license format for different things. Maybe your license has been revoked, Ed. Well, it has. It has. Insufficient talent uh, was what I got when I was at the ATM. Uh, That's not a good sign. Driving under the influence of insanity. Yes, that's what it is with most people. But I feel, Jennifer, you talk about this, about how some people have, especially comedians, Ferrari brains, fast yep. brains that are associative, yep. but they can work against you unless you consciously make choices about yep. how you deal. With all that brilliant potential and seeing all the connections and finding what's funny and because and, you can be very, very bright, highly intelligent to be a comedian. But the shadow of that is pretty dark. Right, mm. the, the shadow of all that skill and that talent and the, that part of your brain that can see all the little details that are funny can work absolutely work against you. And I mean, my big thing is I want to find more ways to teach little kids this. Like if, yeah. you, if you were raised this way, if you learned as a little kid, you can just witness yourself and go, huh, look at that. That's a program. I don't have to run this program. That would be incredible. And so that's what we're trying to do all the time in Connected Parenting is teaching parents how to help their kids learn that you can challenge your thinking and you can you can take the wheel of that Ferrari and you can you can drive it in a different direction. The the yeah. other thing is the the you know in the moment a great skill is to be able to go general as you say yes. Jennifer go yes. general go yes. wide and yeah. about something that you like or enjoy very simple Mm-hmm. And go general with your thinking instead mm-hmm. of harping on, you know, the rent is coming due. Right. You're worried about it. Go right. general. Well, and I, lo- I love trees. I, lo- I love these anything, pants. Anything neutral. Coffee's good. Yeah. Yep. Anything. And, and what we talked about at the beginning, just, you know, Thanksgiving dinner coming up. Just go pan back, pan the lens right back and go, you know what? The fact that I even care about how my uncle is chewing his food <laughs> means a lot of things are going right in my life. If that's right. the big problem that I have right now. 
right? Right. And my uncle does chew and gives you bad news and felt that Nixon was framed. And so those that combination <laughs> is just the trilogy of terror in my wow. life. But yeah, that's really true. And there's lots of different different ways that you can go. And I, I do feel like there needs to be a life school and people need to simulate and practice these situations, this cognitive rehearsal that you call it, where where people actually practice it. You're worried about Thanksgiving? Have the dinner. Have it right now. Practice it. Let's have people That's be it. the characters. Exactly. You know, make the dinner. Have it. Have it in your head. Have it externally. Talk to yourself. Talk to your, your part of yourself that's scared about these things. Say something. Say it out loud. And also, uh, don't be afraid you know. to sit at the kids' card table. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's often the best They'll table. help you out. Kids will just... Yeah, they will. They'll straighten you out real easy by just being innocent and straightforward and honest and yep. ridiculously funny. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of, of you know, humor, I mean, this is not a funny thing, but I was watching the uh, King Richard, which is the uh, the Richard Williams, the Venus and Serena's father. Loved it. Saw and, it two nights ago. Yeah, it, it's actually good. It, it, but it's a great tribute to, to a dad who had a vision <laughs> and really stuck with it. You talk about looking for the best. He, he looked at it when there was nothing around them that was the best. And he kept he had a plan. That's right. And now his daughters are very t- extremely talented, but the way he l- led the family is very, very interesting. Yeah. It's something to to check out. But you talk about comedy. How do you bring comedy into a house that that's dealing with the stuff that you're dealing with? Uh, well, that's kind of easy to answer because when this was all raging, now you got to understand when when Maria was diagnosed with you know full blown uh, in your face taking prisoners autism, because when you're a Guido and you have some sort of condition, we go big. You know, we don't we don't mess around. Yeah. But Laureen and I realized back then either you can laugh or cry. So, I mean, we it's this sounds kind of simplistic and maybe even naive, but we we just tried to laugh as much as possible. I mean, obviously, I was a comedian. My wife's pretty funny. And the daughters who came after Maria are hilarious. I mean, at Thanksgiving dinner, I'm maybe the third or fourth funniest person at the table because mm, they're they're great. killers. Yeah, that helps a lot just to um, to see the humor in it and and like I, I I do in my show. As a matter of fact, I just did a stand up show last Saturday and I talk about Maria in my stand up comedy show. Uh, I let the audience know, you know, listen, you're not laughing at her. You're just laughing with me at the incredibly hilarious things she does in public. And and I'll share those things. Like one time we had um, new friends come over. We're trying to get to know better. We had them over for dinner. And Maria happened to spill a couple of drops of her drink on her shirt. Now, in Maria world, that means that shirt comes off right there and then at the table. And what I say is, you know, when she was three, four years old, that was pretty funny. But now that she's in her 20s and I pause, I go, it's freaking hilarious because our guests, <laughs> you know, mouths drop, their jaws drop. They can't believe what they're seeing. And the Guido family, well, we're just shoveling pasta, you know, somebody get Maria's wow. shirt. What's the big deal? You know? Wow. <laughs> I, yeah, I guess you, you change your whole scale of, of what's important and what's not important. And the beauty of of the the behavior, and also, you know, of the there's, there's yeah. nothing we can do about it. It's not like you can take Maria aside 
And Maria, listen, you know, it's really not, you can't take your shirt off. It's, she's going to do it next time anyway, because that's what she does when her shirt gets wet. It is. It's so upsetting for a person uh, with autism on the spectrum when something like that happens. It would be like her shirt being on fire and you telling her to keep it on. Like, it's such a big deal for her. That shirt has to come off. It has off. to. You're right. Good point, yeah, Jennifer, yeah. for sure. Yep. Well, and I love the humor because that helps you pan back, right? That helps you widen the lens. And he- when you're laughing, you've got serotonin and oxytocin, two very powerful reward chemicals that are healing, that feel good. That even if Maria can't necessarily laugh along with you, she's going to feel the energy of everybody around you. Right. And if everyone's kind of laughing and calmer and happier, she's going to pick up like a radio station <laughs> static of every other emotion. And guess what? Right? Our, our dinner yeah. guests that night, of course, they were looking at us to us like, how do we react to this? And when they saw that we weren't freaked out. And, and they weren't freaked out. They, they didn't. And they were like, yeah. oh, well, we kind of want to be like you guys. We, we're cool. Right. We get it. But if we would have freaked out, maybe they would have. You know, they were just following our lead. So it, it all it works out that way. That's, she's lucky to have a family like you. That's incredible. She is, and vice versa. Yeah, and, but this is true of a lot of behaviors and a lot of reactivity and a lot of what bothers us, you know, in life. And the truth is that we don't have enough practice doing the kinds of things that, that you're doing, that you're talking about, which is letting it go which is not giving it a lot of meaning. I think it's really I think it's really interesting. I think that so many people are on the spectrum while they may not have full-blown autism. We're all connected by our, you know, sensitivities and I mean that in a positive way. And I have spectrum cable, which is like being on the spectrum <laughs> because it's the worst. The worst. Yeah. Anyway, well, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up here. But Mike, you'll you'll come back. We'd love to to talk to you further about it. Oh, you but think I so? Cannot yeah. Stri- well, yeah. Please, <laughs> oh, sure. So? Or we're gonna or, or we're gonna come over, or I come <laughs> over there, and you don't want to see me take my shirt off because no. <laughs> the way the way I am now, that's gonna be a reaction. Speaking of therapy, <laughs> yeah, I'll be there after that. <laughs> yeah, you will. You'll need to be, Mike. If people want to get support or want to get education or information about autism or about, you know, how to, how to deal or how to help or how to be involved in the community. Do, do you have any place for them to go? Where do they go? I do a couple of things. You know, I do, I still do the Maria effect show stage show. Uh, a lot of times as a fundraiser for autism organizations, I've even done it for men's groups because there's a, a strong message there about how to, you know, about being a man and being a dad and a, and a husband um, and doing it all the right way, or, or at least trying, at least. But I also have a um, keynote version of the Maria Effect that I've done as in service trainings or just speaking to groups in companies about, and I, it's all it's called all about perspective. You know, it's kind of like what we've been talking about. You know, you can choose to laugh or choose to cry, or you could choose to be offended when when someone looks at you weird or asks you something ridiculously ridiculous, or you could choose to not be offended and just, you know, educate and help out that way. But if people want to contact me, it's Mike at guidoentertainment.com. You know, if it's not me, then my wife, Laureen, is is an expert. She knows it all. And she also knows how to get help in whatever community you're in. That's her expertise. 
and we're happy to help people. We know what we went through. And we, if we could save somebody from having to go through what we did, we're all about it. So Mike at GuidoEntertainment.com, G-U-I-D-O Entertainment.com. Thank you so much for being here, man. It's a pleasure to talk Thank to you again. You, Thank you so much. Oh, nice okay. to meet you, Jennifer. Thank you. And Ed, yep. always. Yeah. My goodness. Yep. So say hello to Lorene and everybody. And listen, if you want to uh, find out more about Mike or about the podcast, you can listen wherever you get your podcast. You can go to makelightmedia.com, makelightmedia.com. If you want to find out more about Jennifer's work, go to connectedparenting.com, connectedparenting.com. Lots of media, lots of classes, lots of information, great resilient skills, brain hacks, everything under the sun to deal with mental health and mental health issues and uh, your family, yourself, self-parenting. She has amazing skills. You've heard them on the show. There are many, many more at ConnectedParenting.com. I'm Ed Krasnick for Jennifer Kalari. Jennifer, thank you again. Keep coming back. It works if you work it. We will see you next time. Bye.